Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host. Welcome back for another edition. I think this is 28. And we got young man that's been balling. I didn't even know it. But he was super cold as a running back in high school. Over 5,000 yards in two years. Around 5,000 yards in two years. Maybe over. That's some great numbers. Went on to college. Played on the defensive side of the ball. Then made his way to the pros. But you'll find all that out. It's an amazing story, amazing journey. And with everything going on in the world right now, I'm glad we touched on it. We did more than touch on it. Just stick around and listen. This is Lulu's Logic. Today's guest went to Plainview High School in Texas. Then to Texas Tech where he was a two-time second-team All-Big all 12 defensive back. Drafted in the sixth round by the Dallas Cowboys before going to Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles. Then to the Arena Football League with the Georgia Force before his final stop with the Calgary Stampeders for the last eight years. I can't believe it's been that long. He's a two-time CFL All-Star, two-time Great Cup champion. Welcome to the show, Jamar Wall. What's up, baby? What's up, Nico? How you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm good, man. How you doing? Man, you know how I do. Just kind of can't cover steady. Just, just chilling, man. West Texas, huh? You know it. It's dry and it's flat. And it's dirty. <laughs> Them dust storms and hot as you can get. Straight up dust storms. People didn't believe me when I got up here, man. I used to have to show people pictures. Like I'm like, we have legit dirt storms. It comes in a cloud and it's gone in 30 minutes. Yeah, I got one. My brother played in a, a game right on the other side of Abilene, I think it was, somewhere out that way. And um, they played a team from far west Texas. And, yeah, it was a dust storm, like, leaving the next morning. And, like, you couldn't even see five feet in front of the car. It was just, like, dust blowing. You could hear the little pebbles hitting the car. <laughs> People yeah, were driving yeah. super slow. You could it was almost like a snowstorm with just dust. It's just it blots out the sun, man. Like it literally it literally tends to turn the sky brown. Like it, it's That's brown, crazy. it's dirty. The temperature drops. Like <laughs> it's some it's some different stuff. How you staying in shape with all this, man, going on? Man, I'm struggling. <laughs> you know, but it's, <laughs> but I'm figuring I'm figuring it out, man. I just been kind of doing stuff around the house. I got a bike, a stationary bike that I've been doing. Kudos to you. And back in the day, I was talking about spin class, and I didn't believe it until I actually started doing it. It really works, man. Yeah. It's good stuff. I I came and fell in love with it. Been kind of doing that. Been doing some uh, band strength training, just kind of here in the basement, man. Just kind of maintaining. I'm older. Gotten a little wiser, you know, don't have yeah. to work as hard, work smarter. And so I just, I found it, found a way to stay in tune with myself to where I don't have to work as hard. So uh, I think that's a plus. Like, that's definitely helped me out in this situation. Yeah, I remember talking to you and Smitty last year uh, when y'all came out to BC and we were talking about <laughs> how much um, <laughs> recovery equipment you have bought <laughs> later in life. <laughs> Man, it's all about that recovery. Our room was a walk-in uh, therapy session, right? <laughs> That's what the game we had it lined up. You got Thera guns, you got bands. Bands. <laughs> uh what else? We had STEM machine, we had the ice machine, 
neck stretches. Man, <laughs> trust me, we had it. Man, that's that's funny. Um, let's speak about Smitty a little bit. You know, you've been there since 2012. Uh, Smitty making a decision to walk away, uh, Brandon Smith. And, you know, you two have been – I think y'all are pretty much one of the same. Um, you know, both intelligent football players, high skill level. Um, how do you feel about Smitty and your process just being in Calgary and, you know, coming in and seeing that guy work and then being able to be teammates with him for the last eight years and uh, just grinding it out every day? Man, being a pro, I tell people this all the time. Ask me stuff about Smitty, man. Smitty is probably a blessing. It was one of the biggest blessings in my life, and in terms of football and just personality and just off the field stuff. Like, man, is smart. Like, he's not only smart on the field, but a lot of people don't know this man is a CPA and obviously, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, he's an intelligent guy, man. And I thank him so much because as we all, like you know, Smitty didn't say much. He wasn't a rah rah guy. You know, same as myself. So I could see that when I seen that and so, seen that he just came to work every single day, it was like, oh, I think I need to follow this man. Like, he he has his thing right. He has it right on the field. You know, he didn't have the big – you know, you seen his tackles was crazy. You never seen an all-star from him. I'm like, why, is, like, why does this man not have an all-star? And it's, you know, but it, it is what it is. But I, I didn't see the all-star, but I seen that 12 years of a professional athlete with one team on his belt, you know. And yeah. seeing that, it's like, okay, I might not get the All-Stars and do those things like that, but I can have that longevity in this league if I do what that man does. You know, and him and Keon the same. They both took me under their wings when I came in. <clears throat> you know, Smith, uh, Keon departed, you know, a little early. But like I say, Smitty, man, that was my dog to the day he left, man, you know. And he contemplated retiring for years. You know, man, it's going to be it, man. It's it. Well, after this. But it was just something different about this year that you, it would, you could just see it in his face like this is the one, you yeah. know, and, it, and I'm glad for him. I'm, I'm glad he got out when he did. You know, it works out best for him. But I hate – one thing I really hate is that we couldn't take him uh, – get him one uh, back-to-back before he got out of here. You yeah. Know, that's football. It is what it is. But we got him one last year, and that's good. But it would have been great to get him a back-to-back to get out on his farewell, his farewell tour, as he likes to call it, you know. But, but yeah, man, he's been a great blessing. He's amazing. DB in this league, he had been for 12 years, and his legacy should live on. Especially while I'm hearing this, uh, and in Calgary, these guys will know who's me. Are they gonna see him on film on yeah. all things and special teams on defense? That's what he did, you know. He's gonna be yep. around for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, and you know, I, I got high praise for Smitty, man. I got high praise for you, and you know, y'all have been so consistent, and you know, it goes back to a lot of the leadership in Calgary on that defensive side. I don't think people understand how much time y'all put together as a secondary, right? Yeah. When you step in and, and be in that <laughs> secondary, you guys are there like 7.30 some morning, 7 o'clock some mornings watching, you know, uh, pattern reading together, formation reading, doing all those things above and beyond just what you do by yourself or on your own. And, but you do it as a group. So when the young guys come in and they see you and Smitty in there and they see Keon in there and they see all the guys that's been there that's had success, it's like the game plan is already laid out. All you got to do is follow it. That's right? it, man. Like, And that was so great about what we did. We took ownership. But it really changed like that when Stu came over here in 14. Yeah. You know, Stu came in. I, know, I don't know who knows much about him, but he gave us a blank playbook and said, here, 
this is kind of what y'all want y'all to run. Y'all figured as a whole. And we are just like, what? Like, these pages are blank. Where's the rest of the playbook? <laughs> but he made you work. He made you figure it out as a group. Because yeah. you can't win. I can't win by myself. Smitty can't win by himself. You know, all those guys couldn't win by themselves. And so you had to work together. And that there started what I like to call the Calgary way on our defense is like, you have to fit in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you had all these guys that have been here for years and years and years, and they're still coming in and watching film. It's the same stuff. It's copycat league. Like, the stuff don't really change. But we're still coming in to better ourselves and to better the young guys. And so they can see that this is our, our way. Like, we don't have any – we always suspect to no be the best. We it. Wanna, it's no other way. And that's what we do, and that's what I continue to do now. Now that Smitty's gone, it's a lot more on me. But I'm already finding my younger guys who are, hey, you have that potential that what we had. Come on. This is what we do. This is how you yeah. do you're going to start leading these things. You're going to start leading these meetings. Like, those are the things that have to be – that continue to go on because you want – I do. Like, I, Calgary has blessed me to have nine, eight years, you know, if we get something going this year, nine, you know. So, I want that continue to be able to continue to pass that legacy on and on and on because that's what you need, and that's the type of thing that helps you out in real life as well, man, not just football. Yeah. But learning how to do things on your own, learning how to go on the fly, learning to work together. That's a whole – you know, and I think that's one thing that I learned huge from him, you know, and I and I hope that we can continue to pass it on. I can continue to use it on the rest of my life. You know, I think back to, like, being around Chris Jones uh, from 08 to, through 2010 <clears throat> in Calgary, um, being in training camp with him a couple years ago when I guest coached there. Chris Jones loves athletes. You just be, give me an athlete – We'll, we'll help him find a way to the ball. If I got to put somebody beside him to tell him what to do every play, <laughs> we're going to help yeah. him. But Stube is different. Stube, you got to be intelligent. You got to, you have to have some kind of knowledge or understanding on what you're trying to accomplish. And, and like you said, it's all communication. You know, Clay's yep. the same way. It's like, you got to communicate. Because the D-line could pretty much do what they want to do, and that's going to dictate the linebackers. But they, if they don't communicate with the person beside them and behind them, it's not going to work. But you got to know when yep. to call certain yep. calls. You got to know when to make certain moves. You know what I'm saying? And that all comes from studying. And the right. smarter you are, the more chances you're <laughs> going to be right. And, you know, I just look back to just now with, um, with everything and, and just look at you guys in, in the careers that y'all put together, man. It's like I'm proud because – I was there when, you know, they had the down years. In my first year, we went 4-14, four and 14, and then 12-6 and six the next year. And then we started to set the standard, you know, when Hank came in and Rambo came in and me and Cope and, and Joffrey and uh, some of those other guys. And I even remember guys on defense that, that helped build the tradition, uh, Terrence Patrick and uh, Trey Young and some of those guys that came in and, and really helped solidify what winning was over the course of not just winning a game, but winning consistently. You know, when teams showed up, they knew they were going to have to give their best game in order to win. And then when Huff got there, it just made it to where, you know, the preparation was going to be there. And we hardly ever beat ourselves. So you knew you had to beat us. Yeah. Right. And yeah. 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 So y'all continue that now, man. And I, I love to watch <laughs> the brand of football and, you know, with Dave at the helm and, you know, I love his personality. Nobody really understands how fired up Dave gets because right? <laughs> yeah, he's so quiet. Yeah. Like on the sidelines, kind of quiet, but then sometimes he'll start yelling. But he gets so fired up, and 
and you just love his competitiveness, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's the thing with Dave. Like people under underestimate his competitive side. Like he, like you say, he's very quiet, but no speeches and things. Like he gets it up. He gets going, man. It's great when you have a coach that's that passionate. You know, he learned big time from Huff. You know, and that was huge. Like you say, I got to experience Huff for the first type of years, and and uh, seeing. Dave take the hymns like it was pretty much a smooth transition, you know, and it's perfect. And that just kind of shows the entire part of the organization. Like, Calgary finds a way, you know, and that's what we do best. Like, if someone gets hurt, offensive speaking, let's just say a couple of years ago when KJ destroyed his knee, he was our top receiver. Next guy came in, Reggie Babelton, went crazy, broke his arm. <laughs> Next guy came in. You know, like it's it's we know that like this is where you hear. It don't matter who's playing, what's going on. The standard is set here. And if you've you been in the standard out, though, but you've been yeah. in the standard since you showed up. You don't you, you don't to. go to the standard when it's your turn to play. No, those guys that sit in those meetings all year have been at that standard, preparing at that standard, so nothing changes. You know, I tell guys like nothing. that when I went to Montreal. I'm like, you can't wait to prepare when you get your shot. That's one of the things mm-hmm. with Vernon when he was younger. Vernon was like, oh, well, well Kato and Bridge and, and KG, I'm not going to play, so why do I need to – I said, dude, you're not preparing for today. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. When you get that shot, that's when you want to take it. And everybody, exactly. everybody got their break when somebody got hurt or, you know, in, in training camp or whatever, but somebody had to lose their job for you to get your job. Exactly. And if you come in unprepared and I'm ready to go, you lost your, your opportunity. You yeah. know, so that was one thing that happened with my first couple of years. I didn't really kind of came in late my first year to play, but didn't play. You know, didn't really get the true opportunity to start and stuff like that. Frustrated. But yeah, I learned from my, t- my stint in the league to where if you get frustrated and proud, it's not going to help anymore. It's not yeah. going to help you. You know, so therefore you got to continue to learn. You continue to ask questions. Someone mess up. What do you got to do here? Hey, ain't you, aren't you supposed to do this? Show them that you know what you're doing. Yeah. But then practice, make plays, do these things. So where you put, you force their hand. It's not just waiting. Now you force their hand. And I'm like, okay, this dude is doing something. We got, we got, we have to play him, you know? Yep. And that's what, it, you know, if you don't do those type of things, or if you just sit back and wait and relax, it can be, it can come and go. Cause I remember a couple of years, I can't remember what year that was, maybe 13. We had two D linemen get hurt in warmups. Yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, guys need to be ready to go right then. What if it was, you know, now because just up until I think up until the whistle blows, where you can make, yep, changes. What uh, if you hadn't prepared yeah, about an hour before the game or something? An hour like that, before yeah. or something, you know. So what if you hadn't prepared and you lost that opportunity just like that? That goes to making you a starter to potentially getting you cut. Getting you cut, <laughs> especially with Huff. Yeah. If you miss treatment, you, know? you get cut with Huff. I'm telling you. It's all about preparation from the start to the finish because you never know. In the CFL, things happen so quick and so drastic. Like, it can be so drastic that you have to be prepared at all times. And that's why I'm glad to, like I say, got in that organization. That's why I knew from the start. If you're not prepared, you're not ready to go, you had a luck. Because, matter of fact, my first game playing in 2012 came, I think we had a first, it was um, two first two games, or second, second and third game. I think we played in Montreal. We played Toronto and then yeah, had a back, back against yeah in Montreal. Because that's when Drew and, got hurt in Toronto, and then we, yeah. KG started his first game in Montreal five days later. And and Demo got hurt to where I 
flew from the house because we stayed over there. That was when we still staying. Yep, there. we stayed out in um there. where we stay at. Uh, we had the ghetto Somewhere wings. Right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's Queens University's there. Um, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I have to fly into there. If I wasn't prepared or what, that could have been it. That could have been from one game or he not know what he's doing to going home versus here. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I know what's going on. So I've been here for eight years. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all about seizing your moment, taking taking advantage of your opportunity. Man, you talking about Demo? That's another super talented guy. <laughs> like. Like you came into a really talented uh, defensive backfield, and it was, you know, Fred Bennett and um, those guys. Man, like I said, Smitty and and everyone. And dude, let's before we start talking about the beginning, let's talk about Josh Bell real quick. Right, Josh came from the NFL, went to BC, then he came over to Calgary with Stube, and you know Stube likes to take the same guys because they know the system and they can help other guys learn the system. Um, but we talk about the communication and the work that you guys put in. How does how does Josh Bell fit into that? His personality and and everything. How does that work with you guys? Um, I think it works great because I personally think the man's brilliant. You know, he's a soft-spoken guy. If you ever talk to him, you ask him a question, he usually pauses for about five seconds before he answers. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, he thinks. He thinks before he talks. And how many people don't do that? You know what I mean? Like, small things like that. But him coming, becoming over Stubbs, you know, understanding the defense really helped us because we didn't. Like I said, he gave us blank sheets of paper and said, here, write this out on what y'all want to do. You know, with Bill there, he helped us understand what the true philosophy was, what everything was. He was brilliant. He wasn't even a safety. I think he played week half when he was in BC. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't even a safety, but came over, and he understood the game at a whole other level that I, I, I'm still not there yet, you know, when he was playing. And he just knew what to call, how to call, and he even made me take, him, take route recognizing and route recognition things and down the distance feels on all those things into consideration with playing, you know, and and it helps. It's helped me. It's helped other guys because now it's 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 on me. But now I can help my younger guys. Yeah. You know, he's not the only one coaching. I can meet Smitty, Smitty and myself. We were player coaches, basically. Yep. You know, in those meetings, we pretty much – it was many times where I came in and we ran the meetings. You know, that helps us better get an understanding of what's going on and helps where you don't want to hear the coach all the time. You know, like I said, Granny, he don't say much, but sometimes coming from your peers, it hits harder than coming from a coach. Yep. Even though we played ball with him, he was there for a long time. But, yeah, man, just him and giving you that flexibility and that freedom. Because he's he's quick to say, y'all the ones on the field, not me. If a, a guy, a young guy asks, hey, what y'all do? What do we do right here, coach? He'll look at you, Wall, Smithy, what y'all want to do? Because he understood that philosophy. We're playing. Yeah, I can give you, I can help you, but it might not look the same to these people who are going to be on the field with so That's ask it. them the question. I trust them. They understand it enough to where I know they'll give you the correct answer, and I'll be fine with it. Because at the end of the day, if we all wrong, we all right. You know that one come from class. Yep. You know, you know, type of thing. And that's so true. It's been many a time because we 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 came up and did a wrong check, but it didn't matter because we were all on the same accord. And when y'all yeah. on the same accord, you can you can just accord them on the fly. You know. So yeah, having him is huge, man. I love him as a coach. He's my boy. He's probably one of my best friends, you know, him and Smitty type of thing. Yeah. You know, but, you know, and, I mean, I think they're still coach. You know, we still respect this shoe with him. You know, but 
it makes everything go so smooth because of that. You know what I mean? I know some people might not care about the relationship because people know, they know we cool. When we yeah. on the way trips, I'm hanging out with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we do. But that's, I don't mind that because if this game comes where I get cut, I understand business. I know what it is. It is what it is. It ain't going to change my perception on what he is because I know who he is as a man. And that's bigger than what this is, is football. You know, yeah, but he's taught me a lot about <clears throat> football mm. and he's taught me a lot outside of football. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I can call that man every day and I tell him, I love you, bro. Like, that's what it is. Like, cause that's straight up. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, like I say, it's just deeper than football. But, like, so, yeah, man, it's a gift. It's really so many people that go through this game and play so many years and never find that type of – but I can see it. There's guys like that now, like Orlando Steinhauer. You know, yeah. he's like that. Uh, you see uh, even O'Shea, how players want to play for these guys. And and you get guys like Josh Bell, uh, same way, man. And he removes the ego. Yeah. Right? And that was one of the biggest things that I always wanted to do as a coach was remove the ego in the same way. Guys, you're the ones playing the game. My job is to try to make it as easy as possible for you, but I can't tell you where to run the ball. I can tell you what it might look like when you get there, right? I can try to help you get some clues and some tips to to be more consistent and efficient. But, you know, when it comes down to it, like you guys are doing the work and your guys are – when you show up to practice, you put it in. And, you know, I and I always felt like I had my time. I don't need any more credit. You know what I'm saying? So now when it's this, like, did you get the run back? No, they got ready. I just yeah. helped them, right? They got ready. They, they're the one that put the time in. They're the ones that did everything uh, to produce as much as they produce. All I did yeah. was try to give them a, um, a better opportunity, like I said, and, and that's awesome. So to hear that about Josh is, is tremendous, man, because I know y'all got a great – I want to say it's a young coaching staff, but you know, with Mace and and Josh, and yeah. you had um, JC there last year. Yeah. Um, so you know, those things are that's fun. <clears throat> Whenever you can enjoy going to work, enjoy being around the people you're around, and like you said, having that standard set, yeah. nothing can stop you from being consistent, and you're gonna win consistently, right? Yeah. I don't even know when the last time was 2011 was the last time Calgary didn't win 12 games. And we won 11. Man. We won 11 and 7. Yeah. Man, shoot. Last year was the first year I hadn't played in the final. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, in nine, eight years. It was the first year I have never played in a in a West final. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, that's – you know what I'm saying? It's just like, man, I didn't know what to do with myself. It was just different. But that's good because we were younger last year. We had a lot of – we had quite a few changes last year. And when them guys are hearing that and understanding and seeing how frustrated guys were and be like, hold on, you hadn't made it to – this your first time not making it to a final? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, bro, you you work a certain way here. Yeah. Like, I've been to 5, 12. 12, 14, 16, 16, 16 17, 18. Yeah. I'm in a five great cups in eight years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Like <laughs> – it's a certain standard, bro, that you don't get that by just showing up and not putting in the work. Like, that comes with it. Yeah. Let's talk about how you got created, man. Like, growing up, man, I noticed you played running back. You were a punter. And you were a DB. Y'all were 4'8", huh? Yeah, we were 4'8". 
Usually, usually, uh, once you pass three A, you don't go both. You don't go on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. How were you able to do that? And how much running back, or did you even play DB much? I didn't play much. That's the thing. We didn't go. Like I used to try to forever try to let them get me to uh, let me to go both ways, and they would not do it. I'm like, bro, I'm your best athlete (laughs) on this team. Like, why are you not? I'm like, I can handle the load, you know. But they never did it. Only time I did was a couple games my senior year. I think I played in three defensive games my entire high school career. Uh, and uh, the first one was against a team in Wolford, Friendship Tigers. Yep. Um, Friendship's always at the top. Always at the top. I think they were high. They were like five in, in the state of Texas at the time. There's something up there high. We both undefeated. And I wasn't even going to play running back that game because I messed up my uh, shoulder the game before. So our backup was playing, who was also equally good, you know. And that was my first game playing defense. I ended up having two picks, one to the house, and then did some running back because the other guy got hurt. And so I did some running backs. I had two or three touchdowns as running back, two picks, and one to the house. Mm. You know, so that was my first true intro in high school to, to DB. And a few more in the playoff games where I really went back and forth, back and forth, uh, where we lost to Stephenville in, our, in a double overtime thriller. Mm. You know, so <clears> – <throat> but, yeah, I mean, it was just something that I'd done younger growing up. I loved it, you know, and just trying to thinking about life and, you know, you know, hoping I get to that dream of being in the NFL. It's like, okay, well, running back, you got this many years, use the DB, you'll take as much punishment. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's see what happens. You know, end up going to getting recruited as a as a uh, athlete because I did receiver as well, and so I was receiver, DB, or running back. And so went to a camp at Texas Tech. You know, they hadn't really recruited me. You know, I really wanted to go there deep down because my brother played basketball there in the night. Okay. So I grew up around it. Uh, yeah, he played back in the day, man. They played made it to that's when tech really first got there was starting to do some of basketball. They made it to the sweet sixteen, lost to uh to AI and the uh Hoyas. Oh wow. You know? Yeah. So I got to see some pretty cool things. It's like, man, I just want to do that. And so my dad paid for me to go to a camp like, hey, if they don't see me shine at this camp then I'm is what it is. Came out there, put on a show for him. I didn't even finish the camp and they brought me into the office to all give me an offer. You know, so fortunate to do that man it was just yeah it was just by the grace man i'm appreciative of what i got and opportunity and yeah yeah my dad went to texas tech and played basketball in the 80s yeah yeah know that. so yeah he's that. a red raider okay good man you know. good man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he also a sigma too though oh uh, okay <laughs> Give him 50-50. Man, you had 2,000 yards rushing your junior year. I had 2,000 yards rushing my junior year, and I was close to 3,000 in my senior year. Mm. Um, and, and what's crazy is me and some of my boys are actually talking about this online right now. We've got a group chat from high school, whatever. And uh, they just posted someone. I don't remember if it was me and someone posted what Derek Henry had. Like five oh two with forty some carries and six times in the game. I was like, man, why you could have killed it from one game in high school? I had four hundred yards at halftime. Mm. And came out the next half, had one possession, 
took it to the house about 60 yards. Coach pulled me. And so, and we were destroying the team. And she was like, man, if you would have played the whole game, you would have had who knows what yards. I'm like, and as you know me, same as I was, same as I am now, like, eh, it is what it is, man. Like, I, I'm here to win, and I'm here to do this, you know what I'm saying? But as I know what we're going to talk about later, like, had I ran for whatever, I could have put up 800 yards, maybe. Yeah. That's how Jonathan Gray was. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Gray was pulled at, you know, he went to, my brother went to school with them over in Lido, won three state championships. And yeah. Um, yeah, same way. First possession in the second half, you were pretty much pulled. And you know, he didn't get tackled. I, I think it was eighth grade year, he didn't get tackled once the whole season. Really? Yeah. So I mean he finished with I think eleven thousand yards and two hundred and yeah, something yeah. touchdowns. Like yeah. that's just crazy. And then Derrick Henry is, broke right. it, but Derrick Henry, I, I think he played a little bit more and had more carries and stuff. But, you know, yeah. when I see those stats, though, man, that, now it makes me look back at you when you do get the ball in your hands. When you do pick yeah. off the ball and you get in your hands, I'm going to have to go back and watch some of your picks, man, and see how you move with the ball. Because, like, rushing for 2,000 yards in 4A is not simple. Rushing for 3,000 yards in 4A is, like, that don't really happen. Yeah. It's very far between. Yeah, and I always try to give Kellen them the bids, man. I'll be like, why don't y'all let me get back there and do some returns, man? (laughs) Man, you too old. You don't want to do it. You don't want to take no clean shots as a returner. Nah, no, not now. This is early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. None of that now. (laughs) Early, I said, what's up, man? Y'all didn't want to, like, watch me shine. I'm like, bro, you don't just run for these type of yards and do this and not think that you – can, I can do jiggy with the ball now. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, give me a shot. You know, I'm like, I did a punt return in college, average 10 yards a return. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, just trust me. But yeah. They never want to see me shine out there, man. <laughs> High school at uh, at Plainview. Were you born there? Were you raised in? I was in born Plainview? in Plainview. Born in, well, born in Lubbock, which is right up the road, but lived in Plainview. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, it was good, man. Was high school there more varsity blues or Friday night lights? Friday. It's right up the road. Especially in our age too. Like yeah. my grouping and stuff like that. Like we took it different. Like we had we've had a lot of athletes come through play. A lot unknown just for X, Y, and Z. A lot just didn't have to maybe right guidance, you know, like man, we had a dude named Rod Ansley and Kojak. These dudes, two of them, two different times. Both are uh, Adrian Peterson before Adrian Peterson, bro. 6'3", 6'4", 200-something rounds running back. Like, just a monster. But just attitude and different things didn't allow him to make it. You know what I'm saying? And it's and it was frustrating, but it was great for me to see because I'll never forget, man. It was uh, a high school. They made it to the, I think, the semifinals in high school. I played grapevine at Texas Tech Stadium. I remember going to the game, man, and remember seeing this running back right in. a big, like I say, specimen, man. Like, people ask me all the time, you think he was the best running back? No. Ooh, he was. <laughs> it's like, it was it's legit. But his attitude, I never, yeah. I like, I ain't going to lie to you. I keep it real, you know. But his attitude, bro, I remember being on the sideline, getting pissed all the time, throwing his helmet out. Boom, everything popped out. And it's just like, what's the point of that? I don't get that. You know what I'm saying? It's just. Like, those type of things when I started noticing, like, okay, I don't need to do that. What do I need to do this? Or on your celebrations, I don't celebrate. You know what I mean? Like, I took it from Barry Sanders. I scored a touchdown. I scored over 
I'm, I don't know how many touchdowns. And I never once celebrated. Got the ball, hand it to the ref. Why? Because that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's no, how it's I was not. You're supposed to put on a show, Walt. <laughs> you got to entertain the people, man. I know now. It's too late. But, hey. <laughs> Hey, but yeah, man, like I say, just playing you was great, man. It was, it was huge. But yeah, I say it was more of a Friday night lights and, and my group, my crew growing up coming in, we were just different. Like we had some talent for sure, but we didn't have the most talent, not the most talent to go 12 and 0, but our entire summer going into our senior year, we had guys up there. We just, this was before really true organized workouts. Yeah. Like they had, man, a seven on seven. We didn't have a seven on seven here. And like we were up there every day just playing, just us got together, work out, and then we would play football, line up, just people playing football. And no one really thought about it in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one really thought it was just us doing something to keep fun, keep entertained, knowing yeah. that we had season coming up. But we went 12, we went undefeated all year, didn't lose until we got to the playoff. And we were undersized, you know, we had all types of people who probably shouldn't have been playing, but it was playing, was making plays. But that's when you, you come to realize that working together, working and believing that you're good enough to do something. Mm-hmm. Me feeling this person beside me, him feeling him, this person doing it like that. Me, that does a lot, man. Like yeah. we went undefeated. No one would have ever suspected. I guarantee, no one ever expected that, but we did because we believed it, and we know we put in the hard work. Even though it looked like it might not have been organized, I come in. We tried to do seven on seven against the team that had. They destroyed us in seven oh seven. When it came to sit, but when it came to football in the real season, we had to play them jokers in pads. Oh, it was a wrap. Yeah. It was a wrap. Yeah, you know, and it's just like, but that that type of hard work, that type of dedication, is what helped me pay the way through the long way through, man. Because it it showed early that you don't have to be the most talented. You had to be the most prepared. You had to work together. And the outcome will show for itself. Of course, if you got a team that's monsters, <laughs> they yeah. doing the same stuff, then it's, you know, common sense type of stuff. But, yeah, man, that hard work goes a long but way, bro. You, but you long see way. it, man. You see it all the time. Like, a lot of those Houston teams, man, I think Houston probably has the most talent at anywhere in Texas. All those teams around Houston, super talented. Um, watching my brother and them play against – against them, like, they played Lamar, and they had, like, eight guys going D1. One DN was going to Bama. The other DN's going to Auburn. And they went out there and put up 65 on them. Right? And it's just like – Because I remember my scene. Yeah. Go ahead, my bad. No, I'm just saying, like, it's it's just crazy because you can have all these super talented athletes. Mm -hmm. Right? I remember Mm -hmm. watching Adrian Peterson play in high school. He was – I think he was – He's a couple years ago than me. Yeah, he's at Palestine. And and they lost 27-21, I believe, in the third round of the playoffs. And he had 227 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Yeah. But he couldn't win it by himself. And then to watch my brother win three state championships. And um, I trained the receiver there who finished 78th, I think, in Texas high school history in receiving yards. And uh, they had Jonathan Gray. and But it was like – they couldn't win it by themselves. They had, they had a bunch of kids that don't even plan on playing college football. <laughs> they have no plans to play college football, but they will sell out to go win a championship in high school football. 
You can ask them, like, where are you going to go? I'm not going to play cosplay football. I might go to the rodeo or I might go, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. Like, most of them have no, they don't want to play college football. But they'll rise yeah. to the level. Ain't for the now, man. Yeah, they'll rise yeah. to that level just to go out there and have the opportunity to win a state championship because that yeah. means so much in Texas to go out there and do that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. It's just, you just bred different. That's why people be talking about these whose state had the best football players. I'm like, why is this even a discussion? <laughs> man, let's get off this discussion. Let's, say, let's get off this. What's your discussion. favorite football movie? But no, man, it is. And that's, uh, I don't know if I actually have one, to be honest. Actually, it probably is. Because we got any given Sunday, remember favorite. the Titans, uh, Rudy, I know. the program. I was, yeah, it's hard to go with the, not be not be the program, but um, it. Excuse me. Honestly, I probably say to remember the Titans. It was just because that kind of speaks on a lot of today, a lot of what we're talking about of with between diversity, between the times. But at the end of the day, it was about coming together and winning football. Yeah. You know what I'm saying and. They had to figure out their way, you know what I'm saying? Everyone knows, remember the Titans. It was segregated times. They were just starting to, you know, integrate and things of that sort. And it was it was uncomfortable for a lot, for everyone, you know. But, you know, at the time, the coach didn't say, oh, he wasn't having it. It was like, this is what's going to happen. Coach I'm Boone. the coach. The best is going to get on the field. The coach is the best is going to play, and we're going to win. And that's what they did. You know, it was differences aside. It was, we out here to play football. We on this football field. This is where we at in the present. And it showed. And that speaks so much volume today, and especially in the Canadian Football League with the diversity and the different things like that. And in the times that we're in right now, it's about coming together and playing football and bringing being that entertainment at this level. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so, yeah, I would have to say that's probably the one for me right now. Yeah, you don't have a lot to focus on right now. So when you do see negative, there's nothing positive to focus on. There's the virus, yep. there's there's negativity everywhere. You know, and, and sports does have sports does bring people together in a way that, you know, a lot of things don't. Cuz you don't have to yep. believe in the same religion or you don't have to believe in the same things and you know, sports is going to bring you together through who you cheer for. And, and things like that. How you feel about everything going on right now? Man, it's, it's a hostile situation. You know, uh, like you said, we had the virus at the beginning of the year, and then we have the stuff that's going on with the rise and whatever for the reasons that, you know, need to be spoken of. And and it's just it's an inequality, you know, and that's the real thing. That I think that no longer can be pushed to the side or ignored. Like it needs to be at surface. It needs to be spoken about and it needs to be resolved. What we see in our lifetime, I don't know, you know, but it's something now that, that has to be resolved because it's people are at that point. You turn on the news and see people are at their bowling point. Yeah. You know, because of what's simply what's right and what's wrong. Take everything out of it, color, whatever you say. It's about what's right. And what's wrong, yep. you know, and that's something that needs to be addressed. And that's something that needs to be uh, to be changed just straight up, you know, and 
in many different ways. And you, I think it's right now, if you ignore it or you continue to ignore it, it means you just want to, because yeah. you're about to see an explosion of people in my, in my thoughts, you know, my opinion, I think it's about to be an explosion of people who are about to stand up and people just, like I say, people are tired of it. People are tired of seeing their loved one killed and treated unfairly and, uh, right off the bat, giving less opportunity because of their skin color. Yeah, like, that's what it's. A, that's what it is, you know. And it's and it's unfair because it's nothing. Because at the end of the day, you take these skin off, you open me up, and anyone else in this world, blood is gonna be in there, tissue is gonna be in there, bones, and it's all the same. If you took the skin off of everyone, no one would be able to tell you apart. That's what it needs to be. Yep. And that's what we're not getting, you know. And it's crazy, like. People, yeah, I'll let you go with the question. I'm about to keep with it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go with it, go ahead, man. That's like this is the platform because it, you know, like I said, if you're if you don't want to stand up for the wrong, I think you just shut up on everything, right? So if you're not going to stand up for wrong, I don't like you said, I don't care if it's black doing wrong, Asian doing wrong, white doing wrong, Mexicans doing wrong. If you're not going to stand up when somebody does something wrong then don't comment on anything, right? Because, yeah. you know, people always try to find a, oh, do you just, how can you justify the looting? Or how can you justify this? You don't. We're not condoning that, not right? And you see this different stuff that the race baiting with the, with the police officer breaking the windows. You see a pile of bricks showing up out of the blue in front of government buildings. Like, where does this mm -hmm. come from? Like, it wasn't there. And now all of a sudden, just a slab of bricks going to be placed right here in front of a building where you want people to, to do this. And, and I see um, the millennials, the younger generation, I think they're tired too. Because I think they like, what does it matter, your skin color? And I think there's people trying to hold on to ideals and trying to hold on to things that doesn't exist anymore. You're trying to hold on to this rationality like i seen this video with charles barkley talking to this white guy i don't know if you've seen it and the white guy was saying yes he understands white privilege and he thinks it should be expanded on because he says you know white people have just done a great job of of dominating the world and it's all about world domination and about how keeping it white but right now if you look at the arrow of where the world's going by bringing people together, then the arrow says white people aren't going to dominate much longer. And he's scared of that. He's scared to live in a world where he's the minority. He's scared to live in a world where white people don't dominate it. Yeah. Right. And that's what I think the huge, the biggest problem is. It's like, it's yeah. fear. It's that's fear. what it is. It's fear. And it's like, it's no need to be scared. Like that's the thing we can dominate as a whole, but you're so scared of not being at the top that you don't want it. You're going to do, let so much go on to where you stay there. Yeah. It's not like, we don't want to just take over the world. It's not equality to be equal to where I can get a job that I'm overly qualified for. It probably could be quali more qualified than the next person, the white yeah. person. But because of that fear, that person of color, woman of who, whoever won't get that job because of it. Like it's yeah. no need to be fear. Everyone wants to live and be happy. Everyone wants to live comfortable and be happy and love. And that's what it simply has to be. No one cares about, like, it's just, 
man, like, and how you kind of said about that with the guy, I hadn't seen that, but I, my thing is with people who are trying to justify everything or put an excuse behind everything. I hear things about, oh, where's the leadership in the back the black community? Where's this in the black community? Why are they doing it? I can do one person that puts all of those into perspective, and that's Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. He kneeled, he first sat yep. to get everyone's attention. He had a, a, a talk with a vet who said, I get what you're doing and all this. Kneel instead of sitting. What did he do? He kneeled. He could have kept sitting and this wasn't about that, but he, like he said, it was all for a certain cause. He kneels. People started doing it around again. Black guy, white guy started doing it around the lead. But it was, oh, you have your leader of the world, or sorry, leader of the United States saying they should be fired or these SOBs and this and this and that. What? Like, that's a peaceful protest right there. Yeah. But you say, where's the leadership? It's no bigger leadership than that because he was at his prime. He was at the top of his game right then. He's yep. the top. That's a leader in the black community. The Black Lives Matters, I think, was pretty sure it was started by black women. That's leadership. Just because they don't have a name doesn't mean it's not leadership. Yeah. That's a peaceful protest. And you're talking about all these different things. I can keep going. But you, it's an excuse. Why? Because it wasn't affecting those who could make the change. I seen something David Banner said the other day talking about it's different when it's affecting you. Michael Vick killing some dogs. <laughs> he said, good white folks, you like dogs. You love your dogs. So things, kind of, things change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those type of things you want to put in perspective. It's like, no, it's been there. Things have been there. The peacefulness has been there. Like I made another analogy on Instagram the other day. It's like, okay, you got a kid. We got kids. If you're not paying attention to your daughters and your kids, after a while, they're going to start, what, messing up stuff, doing stuff, doing whatever they've got to do to get your attention. Exactly. Once you give them attention and they hear what they got to say, you know, chill out. This yep. is the same thing, man. Like, people are at their wits' end because it's it's a video online on people's cameras yep. of a white officer with his knee on his man's throat for nine minutes with his hands in his pocket with a smirk on his face. Yeah. That's what people are mad about. Yeah. It, and it, so it is with the, one after the next, right? It's just one after one the next. One after another. The girl speak, screaming in the Central Park, oh, it's a black guy. He's trying to take my life. I'm scared for my life. Come on, man. That's, yeah. that's privilege. Yeah. She knew what she was doing. Those are the things that we are mad about. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's, and it's just like you say, if people don't, if people are going to continue to know that, that means you're for it. You all, you're okay with it. Because yep. it's too evident. You're trying to give so many excuses, so many of this. When you can, anything that you say, where is this? Where is that? Where is that? Guarantee it can be put out there that it's been there and people are tired and this is their last resort. Did you deal with any of that growing up? Um, a little bit, yeah. Because I know most uh, of, out there is usually mostly Hispanic, right? Yeah, Hispanic and stuff like that. And like, you know me, like I'm good with most people. I'm in the small, small towns. So yep. I know most of the cops and stuff like this. So I didn't get a ton in my hometown. I didn't really get any in my hometown. But I, I did have in college where I had some people say, I guess I had a gun or stuff like this. And me and my dad were actually working on that. We were about to get our handgun license. And he came to the house and uh, we were in his car. Gun is locked up, brand new, from Academy. Locked up, uh, um, barrel lock in and everything. I got in the car, look at it. 
upset, came back, at, put it back in the box. He put the box, locked it back in his console. I'm talking about to go to the house, back in my apartment. And he comes, and the next thing I know, two cops come around. <laughs> Guns drawn. And we just like, hold on, like, what's going on? And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, cops, I'm like, I get clicked so fast. I'm just like, oh, I said gun. We had the gun in the car. He was like, what? Because he didn't even see him yet because they came from behind him. He was still sitting in the car. Mm-hmm. And guns drawn. Put your hands up. Da, da, da. I don't know who's had a gun pointed at him or not before, but that is the most uncomfortable thing and it's terrifying thing that I've ever had happen to me in my life. Because it don't matter what I've done. I have a perky record. I've never been arrested. That was my first time being put in handcuffs. I don't hardly have any traffic tickets. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That was terrifying to me because I don't know what that person's thinking. I don't yeah. know what they've been told. You don't know what they've been I'm told. Confused on the whole situation. I'm they could have been told that you were you were sw- you were th- uh, pointing a gun at people, or you know, so you don't know what's going on. Exactly. And, and then so, why did why they handcuff you? For their safety. So, and I get it because I was outside, standing outside on the car, or like leaning up against the car when I was talking to my dad. So they handcuffed me, pulled me back. One guy was guy and my dad get out, get on the ground, which in that lost, I lost it because he just had prostate cancer and uh, had his surgery and had third moves. So he had staples down his mm. stomach. And they tell him to do all this. And by that time, I lost it. Like, I lost it. Going crazy. I'm not going to lie. Um, and uh, obviously not resisting, fighting anything, but verbally let them know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, end of the day, it was okay. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's like some person called on the cops saying that it was some black people out there with a gun. How they seen it, Nick, I have no idea. So, you know, like any standard truck, a uh, crew cab truck or uh, whatever yeah. has a backseat. And if I get in the backseat and put the gun on the ground, there's no way you can see that gun. Yeah. It was absolutely no way that anyone outside of this car seen that gun. I so what was being said? I don't know if they just heard us talking. Someone walked about us talking about it. What I don't know, but the cops were called and this was happening. And honestly, I feel like it was a cop who was the who was like the uh, resident uh, security guy because he lived right beside me. And the day I moved in, he profiled. I was in the league. I just came back from uh, first in the league. I was coming back to finish class. I had my escalator out there. Didn't yeah. like it. He literally, as I pulled up into my apartment for the first time, he literally got, he was outside his car. He got in his car, turned his lights on, and came around and flashed me. The day I got there, just because, I had no reason, I just moved in. I just moved in. And he, well, it was, it was disturbed, or your music was loud. I said, man, for one, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. My music can be as loud as it wants. And I said, that's a lie. It's like, because I'm conscious about my, because I had a system, yeah. whatever. I'm conscious about it. I turn my volume out every single time. You might have heard me down the street. But once I got to you, it was close. I'm like, because I actually said hello to you. <laughs> you got in your car and you flashed me and kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like those things. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, why, man? Like, I busted my ass for this. Yeah. I worked hard for this. That's the scary it's easy part, to get a, It's easy to get a job in the, in the police department six months. Yeah, that's the scary part. People don't understand that. Like, here, here's the problem I have with it. People protect the shield more than they protect the people. That's what and 
And the problem is, is that yes, there are a lot of great cops and I'll never be against the police. But in my first instance, do I wanna call the police to my residence? No, because I don't know how it's gonna go. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm terrified to call a police officer and say, I need your help, right? I'm, the other night I was, I wanted to go out for a bike ride at 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, I told my wife, I said, I'm terrified to leave this house and go ride my bike because if somebody says something, like see me riding around on a bicycle, it's cold outside at night. So I got a hoodie on and now uh, I could be charged or, oh, you break it. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. So we don't have the same freedoms and it is, and it sucks to think and to be in those situations. I mean, I've been pulled over numerous times around my hometown of, of, of stupid stuff and not doing anything, uh, searching my car, throwing Christmas presents around and not putting it back. And, you know, it's just, um, it's very unfortunate, you know, that, not a lot of people have to think about their life ending every time they get pulled over. Not at all. Right. And I think that's where the sensitivity has to come from is, is that when you think about what we go through and how do you teach your kids this, right? Exactly. How do you teach your kids? How do you, how do they handle things the proper way? Belangio Castro. I do have my handgun carrying license and I have my gun on me. And he still gets shot. Yeah. Like, and how do you know? If it, you know, and if you have a handgun license and you know this, and he speaks this, if you know anything about a handgun, it's like, I, the officer, no, you can't have any type of record to carry that gun. Yeah. I have my. You can't have any type of record to carry a gun. You know, and it's just like, yeah, it's easy to get them, but to get that license, it's a, you got to go through some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like that. It's just, it's crazy, man. Like, the way that you have to teach your kids these nowadays. Like, I don't, I have two mixed kids, two mixed daughters. Yeah. And, like, I have to now teach them a way to, as me, unless I try to be the peacemaker. I want you to teach this. I'm teaching you to see the great in everyone. Right, that's first and foremost, see the great in everyone. I don't care what your skin color. But realistically, I got to tell them, like, hey, everyone's going to think the way you do. For whatever reason. It's not always about that. It's about the color of your skin. So yeah. know how to be prepared for those type of things. I got nieces and nephews who are ratchet. <laughs> yeah. the way I said, they ratchet. Who attitude are completely different than mine. And it's like, I think about them. I think about those because they're in Dallas. They're the triple. They're in the phone. Like, you know what it is down there. And it's like, that can be scary just because of the situation and the place. Not necessarily saying that they will act up. But it doesn't matter. You know, it's like I said before, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter on what my temperament is. It's about what they're feeling. In yeah. all fairness, I get it. Like, it's terrifying the time to be a cop right now. I feel it. But it's because of what the actions have been going on and what those good. Like you said, it is good cops. I, my dad had a good friend uh, growing, when I was growing up who was a police officer. I love black man who was great. You know what I'm saying? Others who are, who are great. I know plenty of good ones, you know. But my thing is the good ones that aren't saying anything or stopping or preventing things is why this is bad. So yeah, you can be good. You've never done that. Bad anything. ones make it hard on everyone. And they do. 
but at the same time, it's like me, like I look at it like this, like, yeah, I don't have that position in a job, but I have a job and I yeah. have coaches and I have owners and I have commissioners. I've said, I say stuff to my coaches and in, in, in our group that I don't care to say, that I say that I feel is right. Because that's what I feel. If you want to fire me, that's on you. That's you to live at it morally. As I say, I tweeted something today at our, at our CFL commission. Because you have this many people, 60, 50%, 60% of your CFL is African-American. Guy. Like, because I feel like you need to take a stand. It's at the point now to where if you're not with it or standing for us and getting and trying to understand what's going on, you're, on the, you're with the oppression, at the pressure yeah. side. Like, because it's no more in between. We can no longer hide this because so many people are being affected in so many ways that people are literally tired. Like you say, we have to think about going outside. We have to think about wearing a hoodie. We have to think about riding a bike. We have to think about jogging. We have to think about going to dog parks. Like, I can go outside right now and ask a white person, do you, have, do you fear walking up the street right now? Do you fear about, do you have fear about if your child goes outside that he might be killed in the street? You know what I'm saying? Crazy. Like, like, you can say, they can say, yeah, but real deep down, you know it ain't. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a legit fear for the black community because the shield, the, those police officers are so protected by this shield that is, they, I mean, it's not they can, they are getting away yeah. with murder. Yeah. And, and I, like, I have, I have friends that are cops too, I went to college with. And, you know, one of the things is, is that, it's so crazy because you can be looked down upon or fired or put on desk duty or whatever if you speak up against other cops. Even though people know they're wrong and they protect that shield and I think that's where it's gotta change. Because I see I seen a video where more cops are stepping up now saying, that's wrong, like that's murder. And that's what it has to be. Like we have to get rid of the bad ones, Yep. right? We don't let bad people make decisions. And if somebody grows up and they're racist or they're scared of black people or whatever the case is, then when they become a cop, it doesn't change. I don't become a police officer and say, oh, well, I'm no longer a racist. Oh no, I'm no longer scared of black people. Oh no, I'm no longer this, I'm no longer that you still have the same bias that you had that you came to the job with. And I think mm-hmm. that's where it's got to be that people have to understand everybody has bias on different things. And, and, you know, but it's a very high pressure, high tense situation. And when these things happen, it makes it even more high pressure. Exactly. Because now as a black man, I'm even on more <laughs> high alert because now cops are even on more high alert. So if yeah. everybody's on high alert all the time and they never get to calm down, you never it's know what's going to happen. It's all fuel because it won't, because who the people who can control it won't control. And so like yeah. you're saying, it's causing both sides to be, to get, get more and more intense and more and more fierce of things because of it's not being stopped. You know, yeah. like, like you said, it's not like you said, the behavior of those policemen when they get hired aren't changing. Now it's like, okay, Hmm. what can I get away with? What yeah. can I do? On top of that, I'm already kind of scared. I'm a little fearful, but if I do this, 
because they put so-and-so whatever in place some years ago to protect the shield. Hmm. Let's see what happens. It's happening. Okay, one happened. I got away with it. Another's happened. I got away with it. Okay, I'm just rest on this man's throat for a whole nine minutes. Kill him slowly. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's so sad, man. Like, at the end of the day, like, no one's bigger than anyone. Like, I'm sorry. No white person, black person is any better. Like, it's, if you work to get to a certain level and you, you deserve that, you deserve it. Yeah. Fear certain things shouldn't limit you from reaching your expectation, your first most expectation. Like, it should be a fair playing field altogether. And, yeah, like you said, I commend all the officers who are saying something. You know, yeah. it's, it's going to take more of it. I was talking to my lady the other day. Like, we talk about this all the time. Like, it's going to take more of that. It's going to take more officers standing up to it. And I'm, if you're looking at my Instagram, I'm posting all the types of stuff. But it's yeah. not all negative. It's, it's positive. It's about those who are, who are standing. It's about those officers who are standing up and saying, okay, that's not right. They have the right to protest this because it's not right. Yeah, you know, black, white, and everyone else—the Amish community <laughs> out there protesting—it's it's about what's wrong or what's right. Yeah, I don't care who. We need everyone, Canada, you, whoever, everybody. You're part of the it PA. Is um, yeah. you talk to Solly? Is the PA going to put out something or? Um, as from what we heard on Friday, uh, yes, we are going to put on things. Uh, Solly came out and did something on, on the. Uh, he sent to the membership on behalf and encourage everyone to do something on their own as well. But from my understanding was the CFLPA, they will say, make a statement in this regard and things like that, hopefully sooner than later. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, like I say, I'm, I already know we push for them. Adrian Tracy, Adrian Tracy and uh, uh, Larry Dean, Bear Woods, everyone, like everyone spoke up Love on Bear it right Woods. then. Bear Woods, like, is spoke a, on it. Bear Woods is a true soldier on the front lines, man, I'll tell you. Yeah. That's, a, so, that's, a, that's like, a brother I'm glad I know. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy. I haven't spent a lot of time with Bear, but for what I, I get from him, I feel like he's a class A guy. But you yeah. have guys who, and for those who don't know, Bear was a white guy. Like, yeah. it's, it, it's affecting everyone, man. Like, yeah. people, right is right, again, wrong. Gabe wrong, Napton. You know? And right. so, guys, right guy. and like I say, we're, yeah. we're pushing for, um, like I said, the PA to do something, and I'm pushing for the lead. I know me, my, my myself, Larry Dean again, Adrian Tracy all says up to the league and everybody's like, it's it's you have to, guys that are gonna be tired. They're tired of it, man. Like yeah. people are just at the point of whatever. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. We're calling everyone out ourselves. If we say this and don't act, then we we hypocrites ourselves. Like guys are gonna act, man. And that's what it's gonna come down to: is people joining together as a whole. We don't care your color, black, white, blue, orange, green, like. It's about just fairness and equality for everyone, man. Yeah. It just so happens that it's it's dominantly more one race, the black race, than the others. Yep. And you know, it's um, you know, it's not always about race either. It's one, and and I think that's where people try to take it. It's we can see the uh, the injustice and inequality <clears throat> over history. Um, when we look at the law system. <clears throat> and having proper representation, you look at even poor white people are treated horribly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have the money to defend yourself, you are treated horribly, Yeah. right? And and I'll say that, in, I, I see it in Canada as well, but mostly in the US. And one of the things is, is that it's gotta change, right? 
it's, it's got to change because we as people should be trying to go somewhere. We should be trying to make the world better. We should be trying to advance the world. We should be trying to do things to bring others along. And yeah. it's, it's time to stop hating, right? It's time to stop. Like, look, people are going to progress. Either you're going to get on board or you're not. Yeah. But the people that's not going to get on board with the progression of where the world's going, and like the guy, like the guy I was talking about earlier, the arrow of where the world's projecting. I mean, right now, if everybody take a DNA test, nobody's pure. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, 10 years from now, there'll definitely be nobody pure, right? So yeah. I don't know what this whole pure thing is about and white nationalism or, and things like that. People who say all lives matter, obviously black lives don't matter if you say all lives matter. Yeah. Because just, we already know all lives matter because we see it. But we constantly see that black lives don't matter until it affects yeah. you. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's very unfortunate. Um, it's, a, it's a good perspective that you have, man. I'm sorry that you had to go through it. And, you know, there's so many things that people wouldn't understand. And when people comment and they never had to experience it, They've never had to get a gun drawn on them for doing nothing that nobody else did. I see one of my white friends on um, Facebook. Um, she, me and her go back 10, 12 years and her son's biracial and he, him and his cousin had a, had Nerf guns. And I see the picture and the first thing I think about is, I hope you don't let him go outside with that. Mm. Right, it's a Nerf gun but it doesn't matter because any kind of weapon in your hand as a black man or black child could end your life. Right. Like that's, and and that's the difference. And, you know, she's white and she probably doesn't think about that or she doesn't, she might think about it, but at the same time, you know, there's, yeah, it's it's just time to, it's just time to stop. Right. Yeah. And the stereotypes, can no longer be stereotypes. Um, I'll transition to this. Black Panther came out. In in Korea, they did a survey and they asked people on the street, did it improve your, did it improve your vision of black people? And it did. By over 70%. And they asked them why. And they said, well, all the movies, black people are either robbing, stealing, gangsters or this or that. And they see the stereotypes in the movies they watch. And because they don't like it's not a lot of black people go to Korea and stuff like that. You see it. You go over there and they take pictures of people because they never see black people. (laughs) And when they seen a black person in a role. Of a superhero. It changed the way they saw black people. Hmm. Right. Yeah. We make these movies and we do these things. Um, you know, I, I think back to like Boys in the Hood and different things like that. This is what we grew up on. And we want to we want to give people a representation of where we come from. But that representation is transmitted in their mind of who we are. Yeah. And it's not just who we are. You know, just because we want to show just like rap music when rap music came out, it, it showed anger. 
in our situation of, of oppression and, and depression and all these other things. Yeah. But then that turned around to create fear. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And now all yeah. these things comes together. And if I'm white and I live somewhere where I never interact with black people, and I see it in, if I hear it in the music and I see it on TV, and then I hear my parents who have been a part of racism and things, I've created in my mind now who you are. Yeah. Without proper justification, one of, my, one of my trainers in college told me she threw up the first day on campus that she saw a black guy and a white girl holding hands. She went to her room and literally threw up. She's wow. a trainer on our college football team. Wow. But after time, she said of being around black guys that there's no longer a wall. She said everything that I knew before was a lie. Yep. And that's why I feel like, too, like you say, the millennials, they're going to be the game changers. Yeah. Because it's that mix of, like, you kind of weed not the old – the race is kind of, you know, upbringing thing. And now it's like, you got the media, you have the internet, you can do all this stuff yourself, research yourself. And it's like, man, they're really not, they're really not bad actually. Yeah. If you really just try to talk to them and get to know them, you know, like they're really the same as us. And that's what it comes down. Like we just, it needs to be an understanding. Like you say, it was this fear brought in, like you said, with your trainer, because this is what she was brought. That's what, I mean, yep. that's how she was taught. That was her upbringing. But once she actually got to know them and see us, it's completely different, right? And that's completely what, different. like, that's that's what the thing is going to have to be. It's just educating yourself on it. Like, yeah. it's nothing to fear. Like, we're not tearing. We might look scary. We are mad. Yeah, 100% mad. Yeah. But if you really talk to people and really understand, yeah, things will change, man. I promise. Like, this is not like, oh, we're doing this just to do it. Like, People are will change. Like everything will change. And like you said, with the minority, like with the at the arrow of everything in next whatever amount of years, to where you say white people might be minority, like embrace it. We've been yeah. embrace, We've been trying to do. We've been trying to. Okay, if you want it, let's work together so we can continue to move forward. At the end of the day, everyone's trying to live their best life. Yeah. Without anything, like no one needs the burden. Like. You're trying to live your best life on top, but you're in fear. We're trying to live our best, but we're getting held back because guys are getting killed, people are getting killed, persecuted, not getting fair treatment and everything. So it's all, we're all going for the same thing. So, like, stop fighting each other. Yep. Let's come together and just win at life, win at the world. We can change, it'll change the world, man. Like, it really will. I really, truly believe that. Like, if people just come together and work yeah. together, it's going to – man, the – it's going to be a much happier world. Like, yeah. legit. And we're two guys that are in biracial relationships, right? We're biracial kids. Sorry, I said we're two guys in biracial relationships. Exactly. Right? And and we're biracial kids and things, man. I just hope – I don't know. I hope, this, I hope this helps people to understand, get some insight of, of what's actually – how people feel in not a threatening way. Yeah. Right? And just yeah. just understand what it is. Um, it's very unfortunate. Like we can all we can all post the picture and say it's unfortunate, but until we all stand up against what is wrong, yeah. then that's just wrong is wrong. I don't care if they're black, yeah. white, 
whatever. Wrong is wrong, right? Yeah. I don't condone the looting. I don't condone different things. Um, I believe that the government race baits and does different things. The media race baits and does different things. 100%. Right? The, the one media person who played gunshots on his cell phone to get people riled up. Come on now. Like this is, yeah. this is all agitated. Right. Yeah. And you know, I won't even go into uh, the president and things like that, but um, yeah, man. I, well, let's 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 get back to sports. And let's. I'll let you. If you have anything else you want to say about it, because I don't want to just cut you off on. It. If you have anything you want to say about it, or um, how you view it, or how people can help, or whatever the case is, you can go ahead and finish that up. Then we'll get back into sports yeah um i mean for the most part we've pretty much covered it you know i feel like we hit all angles of it but like you say man really embrace and really try to understand like if you don't understand get a book if you don't understand ask get if you have a race uh, black friends ask your black friend i'm sure trust me i couldn't wait to talk to this with my girlfriend about it because she's canadian who was never brought up that way like her family did a great job with raising her she didn't see that like she wanted to know your soul and so this is kind of a new thing for her too. So like we've been having great conversations about it, just understanding and everything and figuring out, brainstorming different things. Like I'm like, my thing is we need to figure out more platforms. You know, people need to help, help straight up. Like at the end of the day, the black people are humans that are really getting treat, treated worse than dogs. Like if you really want to put it in perspective, but it is what it is. Like we're just like, Right now, we need to change it. Change it by educating yourself. Change it by standing up. Change it by, like I say, whatever you can. That's through petition. If you have a platform, speak out on it. I know that's what I want to do. Like, I'm trying to speak out on platforms about it. Um, if you don't have a platform, try to find someone who does. Or like I say, at the end of the day, man, just educate yourself. Really yeah. look into detail on what's going on. It's not about the flag. It's not about color. It's not about whatever. It's about being treated fairly and what's right and what's wrong. And if you're a human with a soul, you know what's going on is not right. And that's simply what we just, I simply want to understand. Just stand with us. Just stand with us, stand together, and let's just try to change the world as a whole. Because yeah. we don't have to do it as the people, as the whole people. Not the, we can't rely on our presidents and things like that. We have to force them. It had to be a force, numbers, strength in numbers. Yeah. You know, so I'll leave it at, I'm leaving it at that. Your time at Texas Tech, you two-time all Big 12. Who was the toughest receivers you went against? Oof, I had some receivers, man. Uh, as you know, Big 12, they were passing, passing, passing. Um well, for one, I went up against Crabtree daily. You know, we're yeah. in the same class. Um, you know, always competed against each other. We had other guys that I went to school named Jared Hicks, who was a baller. You know, should have been a third round, first, second, third round guy, whatever happened. Um, in the Big 12, man, I went up against Dez Bryant. I went up against Bowman at OSU. Um, who else? Little McCluster from Ole Miss. Yeah, Dexter McCluster. Uh, Dex, um, who else? And there's just a ton of big guys in the Big 12, man. Like, 
course, you know the Big Twelve with OU and Texas and OU. Yeah. Like they kept they kept weapons. You know, can't think of all the names now, but we went up against the tough guys. But I would say probably the toughest was just Crab because we went up against each other daily. You know, um, the last couple of years, like I was one of the older guys. He he only did one on ones against me. Like he wouldn't go up against anyone else. He's like, no, nah, I'm with him, J. Walk. You know what I'm saying? Like we competed. You know what I'm saying? Like I. He would say, oh, he's great. Yeah, he's good. But I, I just lock him up. Like, we used to have battles. <laughs> I'll be real with you. You know what I'm saying? He's a great receiver. Everyone knows. He's the first-round guy. Like, but we had battles. You know what I'm saying? Like, I personally believe I made him better, and I definitely know he made me better. Yeah. You know, the man came in, a monster, 18 years old. This joke was running rough like crazy. You know, I was new to DB anyway. Yeah. He was making me look stupid out there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I progressively got better I, he only wanted to go against me, so I'm like, cool, bet. That's my chance to make that opportunity because he already, he already seen it coming in. Like, he was going to be a dog. Yeah. And so, like, I did that daily, man. I really take give him a lot of credit for helping me, like, inadvertently, you know what I'm saying? But he helped me become a, a DB that I am today. You know, that was the stepping stones for that. You know? Yeah. And then, I was like being Babineau. By the, by the end, my last year, I'd only go against Babineau. Mm. I didn't want to go against anybody else. So Jordan, yeah. I would be like, Jordan, you doing one on ones today? Because if you're not, I'm not. Because yeah. it was a waste yeah. of time to go against anybody else. I, I don't, I don't want to. I, w- I wasn't up there to try to make somebody just look dumb, but yeah, you know. So that. It's all about the progress and getting better. Yeah, that's it. That's about the progress, man. I mean, and then like going through your senior year, did you know you were going to get drafted, or what was the process in that? Uh, no, not really. I know I had a chance. I know I had a high chance. Uh, I had an agent, had a lot of agents coming at me, so that gave me a, an idea. You know what I'm saying? My draft, my draft grade, I can't remember, but it, it was basically anywhere from like uh, third down. I had a chance to go third, obviously, to undrafted. And so I was looking, feeling pretty good about it, but I know my one thing, my biggest thing was coming out with my speed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess for that reason, Covering people in the Big 12 didn't matter. You know what yeah. I mean? They, have, they went with the straight-up seed. And um, at the end of the day, that's what kept me, I think, from going higher in the draft. I What'd you run? I had hamstring. I didn't. My hamstring, oh. I had a hamstring issue. I, used to, I kept hamstring issues in college, man. For whatever reason, I didn't know my body good as I do now. and Kept hamstring problems. I couldn't run it. And they basically – I remember, i never forget, it was Houston and Philadelphia. Both came to me like, hey – we really need to see you run this far. I'm like, I can't run it. And my hamstring is jacked. Like, I can't run. And it hurt me. You know, I really believe it hurt me because they both took DBs, uh, two or so, three DBs in that draft. They yeah. could have been one of me. You know, they both could have been me. You know, and I could have been, like I say, third. Because they both took a third, a second and a third. You know, yeah. so I was like, no, it could have been me. You know what I mean? It is what it is. But like I said, I got – Picked up in Houston. I mean, to Dallas or whatever. But, but yeah, man, that was like I said, that was my that was the one thing that I wish I could have been able to do. You know, I wish I'd have known my body better. Yeah, and been healthy to run that. I I, I would have ran what I needed to run to get drafted. Yep. How was 2010, man? You was you was in Dallas and then Houston and Philadelphia all in the same year. How was that? Like a whirlwind or? Oh man, it was all over. It was crazy. Like I said that was probably one of the hardest years of my life. You know, um, never been cut. <laughs> Definitely got cut two times in the same year. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so. Dallas was an interesting one. Like I had never talked to Dallas all through combine, 
anything. Dallas didn't say a word to me. And so to hear that they were going to draft in the sixth round kind of threw me off. You know, yeah. honestly, I thought I was going to go undrafted. And I was going to have my chance to pick and go where I wanted. And I could have, you know, rode my own ship. Anyway, got to Dallas. Uh, I thought I was having a brilliant camp, man. Like, I was balling, doing what I need to do, was getting some nickel reps with ones, corner reps with the twos, picking off Romo, you know, having a great preseason. But I still never got an answer, man. I got released the last day, last probably 10 minutes of cutting time. Mm. You know, let's cut. And couldn't give me they couldn't give me any true explanation, man. Like only thing I could think of was just politics part of it. They took another guy fourth round who uh was a specimen. He was a specimen, man. I can't knock him on that. Who was that? And um he played in Toronto for a while, quasi. Um a quasi okay. on the camera. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're talking about. Oh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Specimen had a labrum and all those things. Didn't go through any camp. You know what I mean? And but in my eyes, all I can see is they had more investment in him. Yeah. You know, they had an investment in him. You get third, fourth round, that money's talking. It's really up there now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so and they had invested in him, and I got released. You know, um, got claimed off of um, waivers to Houston. Yep. Uh, went to them, played a few games. Uh, got in – excuse me, got in week one. Uh, the roster was set, guys healthy, this and that, whatever. So my role was special teams. Played my first game, special teams. Killed it. First, had four tackles that game. Uh, did what I needed to do. Still learn the system, whatever. Coming week two, we went to Washington. I have to play the Redskins. I'm getting ready. Special team coach talking to me with the book. GM comes up to me like, hey, you're not up this. You're inactive. Just like, I look at the the special team coach, I look at him, I look back at the special team coach, we are, he just pissed, like, what the, this and this and that. It's like, man, just had four tackles last week. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, why are y'all just telling that this, this? So we're even the safety, Glover Quinn, beside me was like, he just say you weren't active? I'm like, yeah, bro. He's like, but you balled last week. I'm like, hey, I don't know what to tell you. Long story short, two weeks later, I'm out of there. You know, there I kind of give more justification for them. They were bad. Secondary was bad. They were 32 out of 32 in pass. <laughs> in the league. Yeah. I, they cut me and they brought in J. Joe, Jonathan Joseph. Yeah. I got to respect that. That's, yep. a, that's, a, that's a lead thing. Uh, got to Philly. Shared on practice roster pretty much the majority of the year. It's a strong safety. I uh, didn't really know much about safety. Uh, it was a little different for me. Um. Played a game, played two games there. Played two games at the end of the year. We'd already clinched up the division, trying to let guys play. Uh, came in, the D.C., Sean McDermott, like, hey, I think you can be a player for us. Looking to do this with you, da 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 next year. Just brush up on this, know what you're doing. Cool. Gets fired. I don't know if he got fired or he just left. I don't remember. Anyway, he wasn't there anymore. And they clean house. <laughs> clean house brought in Juan Castillo. Boy, didn't bring him in. He was an offensive line coach for his entire career. Yeah. Brought him in as a DC. Clean house, man. I knew I didn't have a chance. For one, I knew I didn't have a chance when I got over the offseason, they put me in free safety. I got there the day of say got there, got all the they say, Hey, you're gonna be strong safety. I'm like, Oh, okay, whatever. So pretty much interchangeable. We get out there for the first day of presence, like, oh, we're going to want you to run with the corners. I was like, oh, yeah. 
Uh, all right, let's see what's going on here. <laughs> we were going up, but little did they know that's fine with me because that put me in my comfort zone. I had never yeah. really played safety, haven't really, really got true reps and coaching at safety. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like I have a few guys, Kurt Coleman and uh, a few guys that tried to help me, but it's a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It's different without really being able to get the rep. Anyway, I had a nice little camp there too. You know what I'm saying? Do what I did, but man, he he just, whatever reason, this coach did not like me, man. Like, <laughs> I hear one example. I made a play, a couple of plays and stuff from game, recent game. And we had to do something in practice one day. He thought it was someone else. It's one of the guys he just drafted, right? So, oh, man, Jared, that was a great play. It's like, I'm like, hey, coach, that's me. He was like, oh, fast forward. Didn't say nothing. Wow. I said, this is unbelievable, bro. And I told Coleman about it a little bit ago. He's like, man, he know. you think he's actually doing it? I'm like, I promise, bro. I'm like, y'all just not seeing it. I'm just pay attention. Next time, I'm like, there's no comment again. And I showed him, I showed that, and he did that. I turned around, looked at him, and he was just like, wow. You know what I'm saying? But it is what it is, man. Like I say, that's that's what happened. But that was my years in the, my little bit in the league, man. It was short. It was, un, you know what I'm saying? Didn't, I hate that I never really got a true opportunity to play because I believe I could play in the league. Yeah. 100%. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? I could. I really believed I could have. You know, it's just about not getting in the right situation at the right time, not having that one right coach like you that you needed to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of people who know, like, it's a lot of great talent in the league. It's a lot of bad, too. It just, a lot of just bad means talent. That it just needs that – you just need to be liked by the right ones. You know what I'm saying? Not knocking them. Hey, you, you win it. I mean, not, but, like I say, not everyone gets that fair shake, and that's what happens sometimes. But I'm thankful for where I'm at. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's been a blessing. It happened for a reason. You know what I'm saying? I got I me mean, a beautiful lady and a beautiful baby out of you know? That's it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, now you rocking, man. That's that's awesome. You know, that's a you know, that's a journey. Like looking at, you know, being in West Texas and going to tech, like even how you got to tech, stepping on the field, going out there for um for a tryout or a workout or however you want to view it, a, a camp and getting an offer that day, just stepping up and just being one of the best guys. And then the the work of consistency that you put in in Calgary over the last eight years, and I see so many similarities between you and Smitty, the way y'all play so mental and just your ability to cover ground. And you can tell you have the ability to catch the ball because Smitty drop picks, you, you catch them. <laughs> you know, just that level of consistency over the years, man. Um, it was a true honor to take the field with you and uh, to see you work every day and to see what you what you built. You know, um, in in Calgary, because, dude, I've I've always thought it from from day one because you played Sam, you played boundary half, you played safety, you played field half, like you could play anywhere in the secondary and get the job done. Yeah. Like yeah, you truly sure. can. And it, it's one of those things where you could tell too, like, you know, we we talked about it earlier a little bit. You and Smitty's just so quiet. You don't get the recognition you deserve of being one of the top guys in the CFL. How many years do you think you're gonna play? Or do you would you like to play? And are you gonna do anything different? here forward to try to stabilize that or are you just going to say I'm just going to let my work be uh, do my talk on the field 
Um, I don't think I could change it, to be honest. I do small little subtle things. Like the most I've done is like a bow. Caught a pick, dove into the end zone. 18, kicked the football into the stands after I, and I picked it in the great cut. Like small yeah. things like that. But as trade, as far as hosting and just being all that thing, that's, that's, that'll never be me. That's not my thing. Like I say, my role when I was growing up was, as a running back, was Barry Sanders, Emmitt yeah. Smith, Walter Pate. All three of them had in common was they gave the ball to the ref after they finished and ran the touchdown. And that was just – that's something that's going to be in me. That's something that's going to continue me. And they're three of the best running yeah. backs in, in history. And that's something that's going to be with me. I, I feel like my work should speak for me. You know, it's a different, you know, realistically in the CFL. They kind of look at things a little different. You know, it's more about the popularity versus anything, you know. These but popularity contests. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, if I something happens, I make I'm a Hall of Famer guy, cool. If not, I know what I did on that field. I know that I was fortunate enough to make it past that 2.5, 3-year career span that the professional athletes have. Like that's, I know that I have great cuts. I know that I have um, a lot of friends, lifetime friends from that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's things that are bigger to, for me than that. You know, it would be great. I would love it. You know, but like I say, as long as I play, I, I mean, I don't know, just kind of to see what everything happens with this year and everything. But I feel great, man. Like I, <laughs> I was going to bring this up while ago. I mean, when I first got here until CFL, man, I came here off the couch. I was like 210, 215. <laughs> I never remember getting into the dining hall. And I think you, I didn't even get to sit down. Y'all, hey, hey, who are you? Give me a song. And I remember you right in front of me. Like, what is you? You play DV? You a linebacker. You play like a linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> I never forget it, man. I'm like, who is this little chunky dog talking to me? Like, <laughs> what? But then I got you to receive. I said, you talking about me? You know, but, <laughs> but no, man, like those type of things. And then like, yeah, I still, like I said, I feel great. Like I came in there, man, I wait now. I can't even, I'm not even, I think I weighed 185 yesterday. Like so oh, my, wow. I'm changing my body. Like I played yeah. last year lighter than I ever played. I played a harder position, more it's time. Like came in yeah. And came out and came out better than what I meant. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm thankful that I've been able to evolve and, and understand that it's not always the physical. Like you can be smart. Like I say, I use my, you know, like you say, you need smart players. And I yeah. feel like I've gotten smarter over time to where I know routes. Yep. I know coverages. I know what this team is thinking. I know, okay, he did this while ago. He's probably going to do it again. Like I say, I put, it's more of a mental game for me now than anything. And now it's just about finding balance, really understanding the body that I'm in, my frame and I'm in, and go. Like I, Unless there's some drastic happens, you know, Lord forbid. Like I can, I feel like I can play for a good four to five more years if I want. To. That's awesome. You no, know, you know, it's like I said, a lot of stuff's out of my control. Well, there you have it, Jawar Wall. <laughs> can you hear me? You know, this is. No, I can't hear you. It's all good. I'll wrap it up. We'll just wrap this thing up, man. I appreciate you for coming on. If you can't hear me, you might be able to hear me. Uh, I'm glad it didn't do this at the beginning. Did it at the end. It's a, we got a lot of great content. Uh, thank you for coming on. I'll call you on the cell phone here in a minute if you can't hear me.
but uh, thanks for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate you. Um, it's, a, it's a great honor having you on. You look confused right now. You probably can't hear me. But to the people, man, uh, continue to support this guy. He's great in the community. He's, he's a great father. And, you know, he was a great teammate. So I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do. Hopefully he can play the next four or five years as he continues to progress. And uh, we out. Peace.